on today's episode of an Echo of Glory, we talk about the win against Liverpool, Angie suits back and Gary cracks three and a half jokes. Welcome to another episode of An Echo of Glory. Joining me as always, Gary Diamond. Good morning. And Jake Robson. Good morning. Jake, I'll start with you. Good weekend? I had a great weekend, but it was, it's was it been soured by what James has told us. You're the numbers man, yeah. normally, the stats guy. But I'm going to give you a stat. 82% of our viewers haven't subscribed to our channel. Wow, no. What are we doing wrong? I don't know. What are we doing wrong? Well, you see all of this? Yeah. Yeah. It don't exist without subscribers. James in there is going to cut the power. He's going to turn the lights off, turn the cameras off, and that'll be that. So, um, so subscribe, basically. Basically. You're, view, you're watching us anyway. Just hit just press subscribe. Press the button. It really doesn't take long. Press the button. Thank you. No, so, yes, you. I did have a good weekend. Did you have a good weekend? Gary, do you remember any of Saturday? <laughs> Past two o'clock. No, look, no, I've got to be honest. I've got to be honest. I, 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 I didn't have a good weekend. I, I, I don't really see how... We can see such an injustice um, that, that that could have been so avoided, uh, you know, caused simply by, by by human error, and and it has such an impact on the outcome, and uh, and, and and it just you know it leaves a, a, a bit of taste in the mouth. It leaves it leaves you feeling just a bit sour, and I'm struggling to really sort of get past yeah. it, if I'm honest. We're going to talk about the Liverpool game very soon. Well, I no, we no, I'm not. I'm I, was, I, th I thought we were having fun. Gary's brought the mood right. I'm not now. talking about the Liverpool game. I'm talking about Les Dennis getting kicked off strictly. It's an absolute, <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. What the judges were doing. I, I'm sorry, that's a disgrace. Okay, if anybody saw that dance off final, right, they will know that Les Dennis should have stayed. And I know it's not Nikita's fault because right. it, it's not her fault. It's the judges' fault. Right. But any reasonable person, <laughs> any reasonable person, will surely agree that yeah. the only possible solution here yeah. is to have the dance off final again. Yeah. And Nikita shouldn't have a dance partner or music, okay? Because that's the way it should go. But look, in all honesty, Les is, uh, you know, he's from Liverpool. So I am, you know, very much looking forward to Liverpool City Council issuing a statement imminently to, <laughs> to explain that they'll explore the range of options available to sort this. And, yeah. and I'm sure the proud people of Liverpool will get petitions going imminently. I didn't know you liked Strictly, guys. No, I don't. I actually have never watched it. Couldn't care less. Um, I had a fabulous weekend. Loved every second of it. Can't remember too much after two o'clock. Went to watch my team play. Had a great time. Yes, there was an injustice. Am I going to sit here and cry about it? Loved watching my team get another massive three points. Shoot me. I enjoyed it. Okay, we got there in the end. I was really worried there that Gary had actually gone home after the Liverpool game, watched Strictly, and, and then watched the results. I thought you'd say I was worried that he then remembered it. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry, you got, you got me choked up there. Um, okay, right. Gary doesn't watch Strictly and was delighted. Good. Um, club news. Actually, we're going to start with a bit of lost and found uh, this week. I don't know if you've seen, there's been a bit of an issue, Tottenham-related issues this week. Start off with the good news. Ben Davies found his dog. Did you see this? Lucky Ben. If you're... Listening to us, I say this every week now, watch us. Watch us on YouTube. If you're on Spotify, press the button, make your screen bigger, you can watch us. On our screen here is a picture of Ben Davis put out a message saying our dog is messaging is missing by Selfridges. Please DM if you see her. Well, the good news is they found her. Yeah, but you know what apparently happened was they took the dog to Selfridges and the dog went, nah, I'm not having this. Border shopping. It's found at the champagne bar, sipping champagne, <laughs> eating oysters. So pick me up on the way out and they just forgot. Is that what happens when you go to Selfridges? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so Ben David's dog uh, was found. What hasn't been found, and we saw this on our, on our Echo's uh, Twitter account, 
Paul Anderson, at Paul Anderson 149, a picture of some Spurs shirts that you found. Spurs family, I found this at Liverpool Street Station getting back from White Hart Lane around 8.30pm. Someone definitely dropped it in front of me, but the big crowds made it impossible to tell who. Twitter, do your thing, and now the Echo of Glory podcast trying to do our thing. Paul Anderson has found these Spurs kits that somebody's bought, spent what looks like 100 quid on, uh, and, and has dropped them. So we're going to put this on our on our YouTube feed, of course. We're going to be posted it on, on Twitter. If anybody knows uh, whose this is, please get in touch with the show or at Paul Anderson 149. And, and I just want to say, Paul, I think it's a great thing what you've done, but I'm very disappointed that to block out the credit card number, you've gone for red. What were you thinking? <laughs> Never red. What were you thinking? Never red. Uh, and also, if, um, if it doesn't get found... It, found then um paul's got a free shirt he has got a free shirt but i reckon the spurs community uh, will do its thing so onto the club news itself starting with the women's team uh two undefeated to chelsea on sunday afternoon late afternoon i thought they were really good i watched the game we always lose to chelsea they've lost every game against chelsea but they lost 2-1 it was a good performance they actually had the most shots against uh, any team have had against chelsea uh, in a decade mm. i think what it showed was that it's not just the senior men's team, and as we'll come to the, the junior men's teams that are playing this new style, this new style is lending itself across all formats at the club. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the game was on TV, and, and so I was able to have it on. And I was really impressed with the football that the women played, particularly in the first half, where they really took the game to Chelsea, and uh, they might have found it a bit of an injustice to go uh, in at half-time, 1-0 down. Um, it was a good Chelsea goal, but but they really took the game to Chelsea, and, I, I, and this is without their best player, Beth England, by the mm. way, uh, who's out for, for for a period of time. Uh, first game under the new manager, um, but the style of football that they played, I thought, was you know it lent itself to, to to what will hopefully be a really positive season for them, and very different to to what happened last season. Yeah, and the so the under 18s won two and at West Brom, they've won their last four. They're now fourth in the league. The under 21s. Monday night beat Chelsea 4-2. They are 6 from 6, plus 18 goal difference, sticking the table up in our screens here. Again, uh, find somewhere where you can watch the show. You can see these uh, images on our lovely screens. And hit subscribe. And hit, and hit subscribe, as producer James says. Six wins out of six, 18 points, 21 scored, three conceded. Absolutely flying. They are the, and there's a, I, I spotted something about uh, the under-21s the under and, and the men's first team, and that is that... Um, of the 21 goals that the under-21s have scored, four of them have been in the 85th minute onwards, uh, which is a very high percentage of goals correlative to, to, to the time of the game. Um, the Spurs men's team have scored four goals from the 83rd minute onwards yeah. out of the 17 that we've scored. I think it's 17. Uh, so you're looking at sort of 20%, 23 4% uh, of goals across those two teams being scored at that late, late stage of the game. And I don't think that can be coincidence. That's got to be something, you know, about the way that they're playing and eventually it just wears teams down. Well, it's definitely fitness as well. Yeah. Motto that story, don't leave early. Well, <laughs> Ange said in his uh, post-match conference after Liverpool, which I want to come to a bit later, he made a comment about how they've all been conditioned to have so much more in the tank mm. at the end. And we're seeing that. We're clearly seeing it then across all teams. Because even the, the women's team, they had chances at the end. They didn't, fade and wilt no. I mean Chelsea could have scored more yes they got a lucky goal the women's team I mean there was a bad keeping error but, yeah but they nearly but they nicked it going. and they, they nearly going. nicked it at the yeah. end so a good I mean despite the defeat a good weekend for the club overall 
I just want to spare a thought for Roma fans. Something I saw online last night. Uh, they're thinking of swapping Mourinho for Conte. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, the thing is, though, we've been there. Yeah, but they like they'll be fine with that, won't they? It's like mm. I was saying this to somebody the other day. You you can't you can't see Conte getting another job in the Premier League, but no. you can see him still. Oh God, yeah. But I also think his stock is probably still really high in Italy as well. So like Jose's, like Jose's. Yeah, great. Good luck to him. Yeah, right. So. The men's team had a big game Saturday, and we're going to talk about it. But the first thing I want to talk about is Angie's big game suit. He wore it again. Here to stay. All right, but is he, he wearing... Looked, he looked better this time, didn't he? He did look but, better. But why? I couldn't put my... Maybe there was no red around him. At Arsenal, he was like, he just didn't look nice. He looked a bit more... Um, it looked a bit more less rushed, didn't it? It looked like he, he sort of... It, it fit him a was bit Was it the better. same suit? I mean... I don't know. Maybe he took one so. look at last week and went, that's not for me, and had it tailored better. Maybe that's what it was. I thought it was just prescient. I thought he wore it as a mark of respect for the death of the injustice of the game. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, that, so he knew. There is nothing that this man can't do. There's nothing he doesn't know. Um, and and if, he'd, if he'd let us all know beforehand, perhaps we would have all worn black armbands as well. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> right, we'll come to all of that, Gary. Don't worry. I know you're chomping at the bit. But I am going to start at the very beginning of the match, which is what we like to do. And press that button there. And on our screen is the starting 11. Vicario in goal. Back four as always. Porro, Romero, Van de Ven, Udogi, Sara and Basuma in front of them. And then the only contentious decision, if, if you can call it that, Kulisewski, Madison and Richarlison on the left. Son up front. I think it was a case of, will it be Son? Uh, sorry, will it be Richarlison? Will it be Solomon? And if... Well, once, once Johnson was out. Once Johnson was out, of course, sorry. Will it be Richarlison? Will it be Solomon? And then if it whatever happens there, will Son play down the middle? I think we're all delighted that Son played down the middle. Uh, but were you surprised to see Richarlison start over Solomon? Well, actually, you know how sometimes, well, depending on where you get your team news from, sometimes the formation changes. It comes out straight away. And actually, the first thing I saw was it had Richarlison through the middle and Son right. on the left. And I thought to myself, okay, fine, he's brought Richardson back, that's the way he's going to go. But then when the game started, it was clear that, that whatever, wherever I got that from was just talking rubbish. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think when I saw the team, I think we've now got back to the point where we you can name 10 out of the 11 players mm. and we haven't been there for a while. No. Do you think so? I, I think you can also name 11 out of 11. Well, yeah. If, if, if Johnson's fit, and obviously you've got Benson Cool to come back in, I'd have him yeah. ahead of Saar, but, you know, let's assume Benson Cool's out. I think at the minute, if Johnson's fit, I, I think it's Kulisevsky, Madison, Johnson, and, and then Son up front. I always felt, though, that Richarlison would, would be an Ange-type player because what he is prepared to do is run a lot. And, and if you, as a minimum for Ange, you've got to. I get if you that. don't run for him, you're not playing for him. I think you need to have more for Ange. I'm not sure he's good enough, I have to say. I thought he did. Again, I keep saying this with him. I think he did okay. And I know he popped up with a nice assist and he had a couple of chances. And I think he set up the goal for Son that was disallowed. Just don't think. We've got one player up front in Son who I obviously love. But I don't think his short play is amazing. And I think Richarlison is the same. And I just think it breaks down too much with him on the ball. I think the one thing I would say for Richardson is it would have been quite easy for him to have had a strop finding out that he's playing, but he's not playing up front. And now suddenly he's had a season behind Harry Kane. And now he's got a season seemingly behind 
Son and it would have been quite easy for him to have a strop but his attitude is always spot on and whatever you think about his technical ability and whether he's good enough or not he went in he did a job he got a very good assist for the goal um, and I can't help but like the guy honestly I, I like him I just I'm not saying I, think ma- I think managers like him because I think he's got he's got that mentality that he's going to give his all all the time and he's he's better than just oh he tries hard but he might not be a top if you're, I get what you're saying a top player but there's something about him he'll run a lot he will give his all for the team, and I think he must train really well because he keeps getting picked. I'm sure all of that. I, is I correct. don't think. I don't think. And I think again. I always kind of say this: if Andrew's picking him, there must be a good reason for it. And I, and I well, because Johnson was injured, and he didn't want to pick Solomon. Well, why didn't he want to pick Solomon? Okay, look, I just Solomon's been good, but 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 yet Richarlison is still here, getting picked to play. When they went down to nine, and, and of course we'll come to that. I, I know it was difficult. Again, we'll talk about it. They packed the box. Didn't see him. Didn't see him. I think he missed Perisic crossing the ball to him. I think I just didn't see him. I just I'm not sure he is a nine. You know, I think he might be better out wide. That's where he's playing. Yeah, and even I'm not going to spend this this podcast dissing with Charleston. I just think we could probably upgrade out there. Well, Solomon, we have done, but he was but Solomon was on the bench Mm. and uh, Johnson Johnson was injured. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, don't know. Well, the jury's still out for me on what he is, Richarlison. A willing runner, yes. Absolute great attitude. Don't know. Not sure he fits the Andy ball. But let's talk about what happened on the day because you can't ignore it. You, you can't. You can go on Twitter and they're still ranting and raving about it, and everybody's ranting and raving about it. Not just Spurs, not just Liverpool fans. Everyone's had their say. So the controversies begin with a Jones red card. What I will say about this game, we don't. We know what happened. Liverpool had two players sent off. They had the disallowed goal. Every For me, from where I was sat, and I don't want to be that person who says, oh, well, I went to the game. I must know more than you. No. Well, my, what I'm saying is I went to the game. I saw these things once. And when I saw these things once, I thought I couldn't see the Jones red clearly. It was at the other side of the pitch. I didn't know at all what had happened until you saw Basuma staying on the floor. You think it must be bad. So then you see it, and I've seen it, and I think it's a red. At the time, didn't know. Jota's two yellows. They're two yellows. In any game, they're two yellows. The Diaz offside, I thought it was offside. My dad who sits the next block down thought it was offside. I spoke to a bloke who sits in the east stand and a bloke that sits in the north stand. All said their initial reaction was it was offside. Let's talk about this Odogi foul before Liverpool equalised. Well, that wasn't a foul. From where I was sat, looked like a foul. The referee has one view. I actually think the referee had a good game. And you may say because Spurs benefited. No, I think the referee had a good game. What has happened since is we've slowed everything down, and you can get different you can get different results by slowing these things down. So whilst I fully get that Liverpool are f- so angry with the Diaz goal, I think that goal has clouded the entire game and the entire referee performance, and I think that's unfair. I think look, I know I've like had a bit of a joke and, and and had a bit of a dig, but the reality of it is that that, that was an injustice. Okay, it, we've never seen anything like that—a failure in communication, human error. Um, and well, we've seen to sit, we've seen to sit, we've been on the end of yeah, goals at Old Trafford no, that we, weren't. Yeah, we, we've been on the end of all sorts. We don't need to get into it because it's not relevant. Do you to mean this in game, the VAR world? The, the, the VAR world. We've never seen such a breakdown of communication like that, where they're actually. They had the right decision, but somehow between them got it wrong. I mean, 
that's just catastrophic in 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 in, in any world, right? Um, we've had some terrible decisions. Every team's had terrible decisions. You're not going to find a fan of any fa- of any team that has said that you know their team hasn't been the victims of a terrible decision somewhere that has impacted the result of a game mm. and felt a huge injustice. But this does feel like it's on a bit of a different level right because it could have so easily been avoided of course and i can understand entirely the anger um from all sides about you know such a big decision and and it has potentially impacted the outcome of a game i'm not sure that against 10 men and and just 30 minutes in you could say that liverpool have got a draw or, or, or one or whatever but but you know it's affected the course of the game quite dramatically and i understand the anger behind that what i can't get on board with is the is the picking apart of every other incident that occurred beyond that because every other incident is what i would term in in, in formula one as, as a racing incident it happens in every race it happens in every match you see in every match players who consistently foul and finally get booked for the one that probably isn't the booking but the one before was right which happened to Jota which happened to Jota okay you you see it all the time you see corners given that weren't corners and they score from that corner Arsenal had two corners at the end of that North London and if they'd have scored from it and if they scored from it we'd be screwing it wasn't a corner it wasn't a corner they're they're racing incidents is what I term it right and you can't pick apart a game of football like this and that's for Jones with the best will in the world I don't really see... You know, people say he won the ball. For me, actually, I think... Well, I'll put Basuma, it on the screen here. Basuma's clearly won the ball. Basuma's got his foot on the ball. Jones has gone over the top of the ball. Now, the first thing you say, the first thing that anybody says, he's gone over the top of the ball. It doesn't matter that he's caught a little bit of the ball. His foot has ended up halfway up Basuma's shins with his studs going right into his shin. How is it not ascending off? And the only reason that this is a debate is two things. One, Gary Neville, for some reason has said in commentary before the Diaz issue, and I think a lot of the uh, momentum for, for, for all of this is built from Gary Neville sort of really vehemently saying, this isn't ascending off. If that was on a United player, I guarantee you mm. Neville would be saying that's ascending off. In no world of football in t- today, in the past, different. Today, in no world, is that not ascending off? It's ascending off. And we're not saying that Jones has gone out to hurt Basuma. Absolutely not. If now the law is... It's only a sending off if the intent is there. You'll never see a sending off because yeah. players don't go out onto the pitch these days with the intent of injuring another player. It doesn't yeah. happen. right? But that's not the point. The intent isn't relevant. The relevance is he's mistimed the tackle and it has seriously endangered Basuma. If he ends up with a broken leg, right, and he could very easily have done, people would be saying, well, it's an absolute red card. Yeah. But... Why has it got to be a red, broken leg for it to be a red card? I, I think what I think what ha- I think a lot of those there were was it Gary Neville and was it Jamie Redknapp I think that was on the, the TV. I think what's maybe got a bit blurred is the fact that there's a couple of things. One is some people forget, as you said, that there doesn't need to be intent. You can be out of control without meaning it. And I think what they would tr- I think what the other thing that's been lost in terms of the ex players is that they are saying, the fact is, by the letter of the law, it's also a red card, by the way. And yeah. I think they are perhaps saying that it shouldn't be a red card. The law should be changed so that that kind of incident shouldn't be a red card. I don't think anyone, if you read the laws or the rules of football and the referee, it is a red card. And I think that's where people have got confused and that's where it's got lost. Where do you stand on this image again? We've put it up in our screens. Jake, there was talk, there was complaints that the first thing that Simon Hooper saw when he went to the screen was this. And that's so in his head, that's the first thing he sees. So he's automatically thinking red. They then showed him uh, the different angles. There's complaints that, well, if you show him that straight away, it's a red card. For me, I don't care whether they show him an episode of 40 Towers and then, and then show him that. 
doesn't matter when he sees that. He needs to see it. It doesn't matter whether it's first or last. Yeah, because ultimately, that's the rules are, if you do that, it's a red card. So it doesn't matter when he's seen it. And I think the other thing is actually, Jamie, uh, Jamie Carragher made the point on the telly last night that in the UK, that the ref is, uh, is being asked to go over to have a look to be told to be shown that he might have made a mistake he's not going over there to be asked if he wants to be sh- to be asked anything else that's what he's looking being told by his assistants we think you've made a mistake do you want to go and see this and so therefore he is being shown they're going to show him why they think he has yeah. made a mistake and that's why they showed him that i think yeah. i think Dermot gallagher also said on uh, and by the way incidentally last night i think both frank lampard and jamie carragher both went yeah, I mean, you can see why it's been sent off. So, that, so actually, they weren't disagreeing no, necessarily with the, the sending off. And Dermot Gallagher said of this freeze frame that it's shown because the the uh, uh, outcome of, of of the action is, is what is what referees are interested in, and the referee needs to see that because they need to see where the, that Jones, that, where the impact is. And the impact is well above the ankle, foot leading with the studs, and halfway up his shin, and and, and that's what the ref sees. And by the letter of the law, as you say, Jake, that, that is a sending off. So it doesn't matter if you show that first, last, or, or, or in what sequence. You could see the action first and then show the subsequent yeah. you know, contact at the end. It's still a sending off. Out of interest, Jake, you unfortunately weren't there on Saturday. You were working, so you've seen this on the TV. Watching that live, could you see... No. 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 So, so that's where VAR is on a great job there. And also, they showed great. last night that the view that the ref, the ref couldn't is not his yeah. fault. He was they were, they were he blocked, was behind. They were bodies. Behind Jones couldn't see. VAR's it. done its job. And yeah. I think if it, if it was the other way around, I'm sorry, Basuma, you got to go. I, I think th- yeah, this 100%. was probably the least controversial of all the decisions. Well, let's do not? another controversial controversial <laughs> decision. We're going to fast forward about eight minutes to this moment, which is the Diaz offside goal. By the way, what a finish! What a finish! I have to say. Yeah. Unbelievable finish. Again, in the ground, my first reaction was, he's off. I actually said he's off. The moment Salah passed it, I went, he's off. The linesman has one view, and he puts his flag up after the ball has gone in. I don't know anyone. I've not not spoken to anyone in the ground who didn't think it was off. I saw Darren Lewis on, on Twitter say, we knew straight away, I'm assuming Darren was in the press box. I'm sorry, Darren, you didn't. Uh, and also, I, you know where the, I don't know if you do know, the, he, the press box is about this side, but uh, this, this far down on the other side, yeah. where, the, where he will be sitting, yeah. where the, the newspaper guys sit. There's no way he could have seen well, it's that. It's interesting, because I was going to say, Army Stupper, um, probably more or less just about in line with that. And I said straight away, that's offside. Mm. Straight away. So, you know, I, I think the point that we're making is that there's no fault attributed to the linesman here you know the linesman's done his job and and by the way you know without the invention of var the goal would have been disallowed and that would have been that right but the linesman's done his job and again it's one of those where it just shows how difficult it is to be a linesman um lord knows that spurs have been on enough of the wrong end every club every club has every club the problem comes with the procedure and the protocol that subsequently followed on from this. And, and that's where this all falls apart because you can forgive the linesman giving offside. What you can't forgive is that, that you know, VR is in place to prevent these errors. And in this instance, it's not even the VAR that has failed. It's the people operating Yeah, the it. communication wasn't there. We haven't heard the audio yet. There's talk the audio may come out, so we can't really speculate what did 
and what didn't happen. One thing that's interesting that did happen and hasn't really been mentioned, and it could have been an error, in the stadium, they put up the checking mm. possible offside, checking goal for possible offside, which they do, and then the goal was given and Spurs restarted. About 10 seconds after the restart and for another 45 to 60 seconds yeah. on the screen, Stayed that, up. that it came back. Yeah. And I said to my son and, and my mate David, who I was with, I said, the screen's broken because that's come back up. Yeah. What normally happens when there's a goal, I've normally got my phone on me and I'm checking and I've got people at work saying, oh, this is this might happen, this is offside, it's onside. I actually ran out of battery on Saturday, so I turned my phone off to yeah, save battery. VAR comms did as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's three jokes from you. Can we clip those up, James? <laughs> um, so I didn't really have my, f I didn't know any of this. I didn't even know that goal was controversial until I got in the car yeah. on, on the way home. Normally, like anyone, you're all over it. So it seemed to me odd that it'd come up on the screen. I didn't really think anything of it. I just assumed there was an error. I'm I not assuming they were trolling the Liverpool fans. Or trolling the Liverpool, <laughs> who, by the way, took a long time to realise that goal was disallowed. They were celebrating for a very yeah, long they time. Were. Um, Apparently, they could see it was onside from their end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having that as a joke. Still three jokes. <laughs> That's harsh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, my point is, I don't know, and I'm speculating, and I, we've got to be careful. I don't want to... We don't know what happened. I just wonder whether they were frantically seeing whether they could bring this back. And mm. on that, I'll start with you, Jake. If if Ange or Ryan Mason or someone on that bench had gone, oh God, that's a goal. Let's live, let Liverpool walk a goal in. How would you have felt if we'd done that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you would... It, I, I, I. I don't really, I don't, I wouldn't have minded to be honest. Because uh, there's a couple of reasons. One is it could set a precedent going forward that maybe, maybe that would come back to do us a favor at some point. And the other, the other thing is, I, I kind of subscribe more to this idea that the the protocol that the referees follow means that you can't once once players moved on, they they can't go back. And actually, say for example, the refs have decided to break the protocol. And it was uh, obviously disadvantaged us. I wouldn't have minded. Of course, it would have been Spurs that protocol was broken. On, well, uh, you know, with with something like that, it's not even it's not even contentious. They've made a mistake. Uh, I'm I'm one of these people. That's why I'm not really anti the VAR process or the, the having VAR because I'd I'd rather the right decision gets yeah. gets gets we get to the right decision in the end. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think it would have been on Andrew Ryan Mason to highlight it, but let's say in, these, in, in the following sort of 30 seconds of action where nothing really happened, the fourth official turns around yeah. to the bench and says, guys, yeah. there's been a, a monumental cock-up, unprecedented, but this was 100% on side. Now, protocol suggests that we, the refs, cannot bring it back at this point, but do you want to take this opportunity to do the right thing? And they put the ball firmly in Andrew's court. As a, as a Tottenham fan and, and wanting our club to be shone in the best light and, and as a football fan and wanting the integrity of the game to be so, if Ange had at that point said, there's a clear error here, Liverpool get the goal, I would have been number one, proud of the team. Um, number two, praying that you know we, we go on anyway and, and, and stuff them. <laughs> but, but, but where I've got an issue is, is the idea that, that after the game is finished, there is any possibility yeah. of it being replayed. It, it's done, and there is no precedent for that, okay? It needs to be done, if it was ever going to be done, it needed to be done in, in literally the 30 to 40 seconds after, yeah. when they had it up yeah. on the screens, when they, yeah. it seems as though they were aware that a colossal error had been made. And I w 
if they had have addressed it to Ange, and Ange had said, yes, fine, I would have absolutely, and I think any football fan and Spurs fan would have supported that. But yeah. not a replay. Hell oh, no. God. Nah. And there's been some talk of, oh, Arsenal did it against Sheffield United, I think, 99. I'm sorry. Their players. Their players decided Spurs to Spurs are not at fault here. Not at fault. It needs to be made clear. Nothing that happened on the weekend is the fault of Tottenham Hotspur. No. Spurs did nothing wrong. We played a game of football within the rules of the game and yeah. the decisions that came. We had decisions against us. Udogi got a booking and a free kick, which they scored from, which to me wasn't a booking or a free kick. But again, it's a racing incident and it's part of the game, right? It happened. This is what I said. This is what I said. The Diaz goal has clouded the entire game for them. Everything yeah. was against them, which is nonsense. Let's just rattle through the last of the red cards. No, that's not it <laughs> on the screen. That is, you can't really see it here. I think Udogi again in the ground is is tripped by Jota, who was, by the way, on a warning because he'd fouled Basuma. That's, yeah. that's what the point. He fouled Basuma like three minutes before. Yeah, uh, from, he tripped himself. Well, I've never seen that before. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He's he running didn't. it. He's running at X miles an hour, and he's got it was, the tiniest what little it was, clip. Was a com- Jota, it was a complete accident. Yeah. But he, he definitely touched him. Okay. And, but, but the issue is, again, Jota has come on and he has made three fouls in the space of five minutes. And each three of them were on turnover balls, turnover possessions, when we were trying to gain an advantage in, 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 yeah. in, in springing on them. And here's this, just an image of the second one, and just to make it look nice. And, and Jota has come onto the pitch either under his own, you know, volition or under clear instructions that when Spurs turn it over, let's stop them in their tracks. Yeah. And... I'm sorry, you know, again, the anger here has got to be, from a Liverpool point of view, towards Jota, because you've been booked 60 seconds before. Udogi's then pressed you, mugged you, won the ball. Don't dive in and clip him. Whether the first booking is a booking or not, at that point is immaterial. What's material is you're a professional footballer, your team is down to 10 men, and you've been irresponsible in your action in bringing the man down. Udogi got booked last week against Saka in the 15th minute. He got booked today, uh, last week in the first half, as a fullback whose job is to make challenges. He's managed to go through the rest of those two games in tough circumstances against some of the best wingers in the world. And not get himself sent off. Yeah. Jota couldn't last a minute yeah. between bookings. Sorry, be angry at him. I think Klopp was actually. I, Klopp's got a lot to be possibly angry about, but he certainly wasn't. I think he was angry with Jota. You could see. Normally, he throws his arms up. Anyway, let's talk about the game itself and the win. It's a great win. Possibly the edge taken off it a little bit because of the Liverpool statement. Everyone telling us it's our fault that they lost and all that sort of stuff. But we've got three points against Liverpool for the first time since 2017. I thought. Watching the game, the first 30 minutes, 25 minutes were excellent to watch. I think Liverpool shaded it. They had that a chance with Vicario made two saves. When they went down to 10, I've thought about this and I may have changed my mind a little bit. At the time, I thought if I went down to Liverpool and said, oh, actually, I've been told you've got to take a player off and play with 10. I think they'd have chosen Curtis Jones. I don't think it changed. I don't think it changed the way they played. They were here to counter us. But the more I think of it, and the more I've listened to a few Liverpool fans, he's been integral to what they're doing this season because they're missing Henderson and mm. they need that sort of protector. But I don't think him going off changed the way they played. They same, played the same way with 10. I think we'd have beaten them with 10. They go down to nine, and I've seen Spurs fans say Spurs were poor today. I don't think we were poor. I think we played poorly against nine, and people are seeing the last 20 minutes and putting that to the whole performance. It was not easy to play against nine at all they just funneled eight outfield players into the penalty area and we didn't really have an answer to that yeah I, I think anyone that says that we we weren't good in that game 
may well have a point, but the fact is, as you said, you're not going to play against nine every week. It's completely a very unique set of circumstances. Which they probably wouldn't have trained. Which they wouldn't have... Tra- no, nobody's training to play against nine. Mm. It doesn't worry me in the slightest that it took us a while. I mean, listen, obviously we were very lucky to get that goal right at the end. And I wouldn't even say we deserved a goal, really, because from what we created, we didn't really create any clear-cut chances. No. Alisson didn't make any worldy saves sort of late on. So I can't even say that we deserved the goal. But the fact that we won in the end, and the fact that we got... I don't... I'm not bothered that, that it took... that it fell... came how it came. I just don't see that being a problem going forward. And also, the other last home game before that, Sheffield United... Wouldn't say it was it was similar in a way, mm. but, the, but they just we, had eleven of them. They just had eleven of them, but and you looked at it and you <laughs> thought, well, actually, we actually played better in that game. Mm. We created a few more chances, but what did we do in both of those games? I'm sorry if I'm jumping the gun. We stuck it out. I say Sheffield United had eleven of them. They did actually keep McBurney up front mm. before he was sent off. It's probably easy to play against nine when they're bothered to attack you and will leave spaces. Fair play to Liverpool. They absolutely stuck in and they should be proud of the way they stuck in. But it wasn't easy. I think the whole game is not a game on which I think you can judge either Spurs or Liverpool because, you know, we were talking with some excitement about the prospects of the game last week and and we all agreed it was going to be, I think everybody was looking forward to it, to what should have been a fantastic (laughs) spectacle. Mm. And and the first 20 minutes was high-class full throttle football in it and it was a really really good match and I agree with you I think Liverpool shaded it does it bother me that they shaded the first 20 minutes not really I think Spurs under Ange have generally started a little bit slowly and felt their way into games so you know I I think the first 20 minutes was a little bit of you know we're playing an extraordinarily good team by the way I I thought they were far better than Arsenal I've got to be honest and Mm. I think you know watching Liverpool uh, I'd be surprised if they if they didn't push for second or, or even you know, push City all the way. But, you know, I, I just feel as though we we would have grown into the game, as we have done in every game this season. I think it could have been a great contest. Um, you know, you mentioned when they went down to, to 10, they played the same way. When you've got the pace of Salah and and, Doug, and, 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 and Luis up front, uh, Luis Diaz, you know, you can afford to to sort of sit in a little bit more. This wasn't the, the, the front foot aggressive pressing Liverpool that we've seen in the past, winning the ball in the in the final third and, and, and then quickly scoring. They, they were sort of trying to win it a bit deeper and and play, you know, uh, get, get get their wingers in, which, you know, is, is where the, the Diaz goal came from, you know, when, when you look at it again. Yeah. And, and it's what they were trying to do. And when you've got that that kind of pace, it, it why not do that? I mean, it's such a weapon. But again, I, I agree with, with, with what Jake was saying. When they went down to nine... Yeah, they, they, they did what, what any professional team should do. They sat in, they tried to get the point, very hard to break down. And there's a stat as well, by the way, about teams that have gone down to 10 men. And I think only two goals have been scored in open play so far this season against teams that have got 10 men. Yeah, often it might be late in a game, but it's not it's not easy. I just put a picture of the song goal here. We've talked about Richarlison. Just want to quickly get your thoughts. Is that it now? Is he the nine? Son is the nine. Mm. And I said it last week. Not the got the Arsenal goal that he scored the the first one similar, similar. Not not what we thought mm. was about. Was Son's game was about? We saw him as a bit more of a as we said, a bit more of a dribbler, maybe getting on the end of stuff. This he's made another of those diagonal runs. You know, this is a, a proper striker's goal. It is, and he's now done it two weeks in a row. What he a pass from him. Madison, by the way. He sent Gomez. Gomez was like twisted up, didn't know where the ball was. But not only that, if you watch the replay, completely foxes Allison who comes into a position where he really didn't want to be, which made it easier for Richarlison to knock it across to Son. 
anyway. Next. Well, and, and also, I think he's a really, really good player, Solomon, but I'm not sure he's got that pass, that cross in his locker. And that is the kind of thing that I think Richarlison, I think when he's, I've said this before, off the cuff is when he really mm. comes into his own, but he doesn't have too maybe too long to think about what he's doing. It was like, right, ball in. It, almost when he beats one man and then has a second to think, that's maybe, or sometimes when he's one-on-one -on -one with a goalie, he's got, there's a bit too much to think about. The quicker, the better. The quicker, the better. And uh, maybe that's sort of the Brazilian, the Brazilian in him. <laughs> That that's that's how he's kind of been brought up with with really kind of quick quick fire football. I mean, what a what a cross! It's a lovely ball. It's mm. a lovely ball. Well, let's go to post match because obviously the celebration police are out. And here's Ange in that <laughs> suit. I, I I think it's a different suit. Anyway, I think I think I think the jacket might be a bit bigger. That's definitely blue, by the way, because we yeah. were we were talking at the Arsenal game. Was he wearing was he wearing black or was he wearing that is that is definitely blue. Maybe he's got a home and away suit. Imagine that. <laughs> Maybe. Can anybody see what the pin is? What, what what's that? Um, I, uh, I can't. A lot of people are wearing it. It was a charity thing yeah. this week. Oh, okay. They were all wearing it. I can't remember okay. what it was for. Uh, like I say, celebra celebration police are out in force. Thoughts on this? Uh, Basuma being handed his baby. It was very much post season vibes, but I loved it. It's just showing if you're happy at work it makes life so much better and the players seem so happy i didn't really look had it been arsenal we'd probably be all be digging at them but it's great to see from where we've come in the last three four years to see the bond that this man has clearly built at the club so quickly I, th I found it really interesting. By the way, the deep breath means he's going long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means I'm, I'm sort of thinking at the same time. But I found it interesting last week um, uh, what Carragher said about uh, what Jamie Carragher said about Liverpool and um, and, and the managers mm -hmm. and and the adulation that Liverpool they're a manager's fans, club. They're said. a manager's club, and and the adulation and and, and you know uh, and, and there's no sort of player power at Liverpool as a consequence because the, the players know that the manager holds all the power. And Spurs got a lot of criticism for the way we celebrated against Sheffield United and Liverpool. I defy any club to, to win in those fashions and not celebrate. But more than that, you know, a lot of these celebrations, uh, a lot of people have sort of been saying as well about, oh, it's a bit embarrassing that, that we're heralding Ange so early. He hasn't really done anything yet. You know, we're going too soon. We're only at the same point as we were last season with Conte as manager, really, in terms of points. Um, I, I, I can't get on board with this because... I think here we have a manager who is very clearly going to be at the club for three or four years. He is building the club at all levels. We've discussed the similarity in the women's football even uh, and, and, and the youth football coming through. Um, the way they're playing, the style they're playing, there is clearly a philosophy that is being implemented throughout the club. This is the guy. And now whether or not he fails or succeeds isn't really the point at, the, at this moment. The point is... You know, this is the guy that we, the fans, should be getting behind yep. more than any other, more than any individual, more than any player. This is the guy. This isn't the Harry Kane team anymore or, any, or any other team. This is the Ange Postacoglu club. And I've got no issues at all with the Spurs fans singing his name and really getting behind it. And, and the other thing is people are saying, you know, we're celebrating too early. It's a bit embarrassing. Well, again, on this why not embrace the good vibe? Enough of us, you know, football fans, we go through such hard times and see such crap so often that when it is good and the, and the vibe is good, why not get on board with that? Can I stop? Can I? I agree with you. I was listening to a view from the lane, excellent Spurs pod, and I think it was Charlie Eccleshare said, it's so hard in the Premier League now to win anything. I mean, we get laughed at trophies, Warra trophy. It's so hard to win. 
to win anything. So football now is becoming more than ever for a lot of clubs about moments. He was actually linking it to VAR ruining goals. But the wider thing, football is becoming about moments. And if you can't enjoy these moments, winning again, being unbeaten, beating Liverpool at home, loving watching your players, having a good vibe, then what's the point? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, f- football is all about the moments. Um, and, and I can think of many Spurs moments that I, I almost put above, you know, watching us lift the league. Yeah, I shared I shared Saturday with my son. That's yeah. an incredible moment. Yeah, that's what it's about. But, but you know, in terms of, of the vibe that is going on at Tottenham and whether we're getting ahead of ourselves, I sort of think this, you know, there is something positive going on at the moment. And you can see it in the unity of the players, the unity and the connection that they're very quickly built, the team's built with the fans. And clubs have achieved success off the back of a unified, yep. you know, teams have achieved success on the, on the back of a unified club. But Leicester rode the crest of a wave for a full season. Arsenal very quickly had a feel-good factor at the beginning of last season and really rode the crest of that wave. And it took them very, very far. I'm not saying we're going to win the league. And we may well fall short of, of, of winning the league. But if we think about what people expected of us, no pundit had us in the top four at the beginning of the season now now everybody's saying it'll be a failure to not finish in the top yeah. four Spurs fans were saying we'd get relegated without Harry Kane grow up right <sighs> you know but 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 look where we are so even if we fall short have we failed no I don't think so I think that's the direction of the club is yeah. really good and positive I, I think I think that's the point isn't it from where we thought we would be we've talked about this a bit before from where we, where it felt like we were at the end of last season over the summer at the beginning of this season where we thought we might be after six or seven games. Look where we are. I mean, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's absolutely. why everyone's so happy. Plus two last, last, last minute winners. That's also... Yeah, the, you ride off that. Thing. It's fumes. You, you, ride, yeah. you know, as we said after the Sheffield United game, if we win that game 2-1, second goal, 70th minute, I don't think Basum is bringing his, his, his kids on the pitch. The yeah. other thing is, that, feel, that felt very much that Basum and stuff, that's very much in the moment. I haven't seen too many of the you know, dressing room scenes, that kind of stuff that we'd seen from other clubs posted on social media. But it hasn't been really squeezed out. No, but out Liverpool got uh, criticised or abused a few years ago for that. West Drew 2-2 two, two at home to West Brom and Klopp made them go. And this it's is when all Klopp about was building. He was when he was building the connection and everything. And, and right? it's worked. And it looked cringy to every other fan of every other club. But they are so unified. Who cares what other people think? Exactly. They're so unified and so united in what they're trying to do and so behind Klopp. Why should we not do the same? And you're not a Spurs fan if you're not thinking... We're gonna we're gonna drop the ball at Luton on the weekend. Of course you're not, and we may well do, right? But it doesn't detract from the fact that after eight games of the season, yeah. If you would have said to me eight games into the season, imagine that we lose to Luton, but eight games into the season, you've you've taken seventeen points and you've played Arsenal, Liverpool, yeah, and United, people would have given us seven right? to nine. E- exactly. So everything's going in the right direction. We have a right to enjoy it. We have a right to feel positive. Well, and that's the that's the other thing is that it can very quickly turn, and we. I don't think this will happen, but we could lose the next five games and then we'll be glad. We'll be glad that we celebrated the Liverpool game because yes, five games later point. we haven't won. As I said, I don't think that will happen. The other thing is that you make, you, the point you make, the vibes kind of point, is that starting the season like this, as you said, it can really it can really take us to, the, we can really jump on to the yeah. next level. And mm. if we're going to, if, if if vibes are part of it, you know, we're riding 100%. that wave, it's and absolutely fine. You know, a team like Chelsea would have, would kill, would have killed for some, for some vibes after the first four 100%. or five matches. And, and I, it's not like, I think we're, we're on the cusp of getting a dog and calling it victory, right? So, you know, I think, I think we're... <laughs> that was win. 
No, but we're not going to call it win. Oh, I see. Sorry, I thought you were talking about them. I was talking about that. We're not going to get a dog and call it victory. We're not. Right. We're not going to right. those levels. Right? right. We're just enjoying the moment. You know. Right. That's sorry. It. Okay. You might get a dog and call it Ange, though. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I'm. I'm thinking of getting the dog. Uh, I want to get a Rotty, and uh, and I could call it Ange. That's a great idea. Um, Australian Labradoodle, mate. No, Australian no, Labradoodle. Yes, you've got a lovely dog, but I want. I want. I want a Rottweiler. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking of the Aussie, just want to go back to a little bit to what you we talked about last week. When you said. If it wasn't last week, it was a week before about how and the way we play, if they make mistakes, it's on him. I just want to read something from his post-match conference with Ben Haynes and the guys on Spurs play. Talking about the way we played. It's wanting the ball when no one else wants it. It's playing in tight areas. It's being prepared that I'm going to make a mistake here that could cost my team. But I'm going to persist. That's what we said. This is the way we are going to play. It's risk and reward. And with that, I'm going to drop some stats on you which I know you like, but I just have to find them to talk amongst but yourselves. You, you really <laughs> like them. I think the, 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 the thing that was clear to me that he thinks that way was when, as I mentioned it last week, when we saw in the Arsenal game, even after a couple of, they got nicked in possession, didn't they, Madison? <coughs> and they just weren't afraid to, to carry on, mm. carry on. But, so, but it works at both ends. And one thing we did on, sa- on Saturday was routinely press Liverpool. And I, the, the two chances they had when Vicario made the double save... I actually remember saying, what are you doing, Madison? He literally was chasing like a dog chasing a wasp. But it, it didn't need to do it, but that's the way they're playing. And I just want to bring some numbers up from a Liverpool perspective, or Alisson in particular. Saturday, um, his passing accuracy was 63.8%, which is, his, which is his lowest of the season. Against Villa, his passing accuracy was 97%. Now, I know a lot of his passes are short, and that brings up his number. But 63% is low for Alisson. And what also happened on Saturday was he failed with five passes in his own half. That is the most he's ever done in a Premier League game. Previously, his most was three, actually early this season uh, against Wolves. And there's uh, only one reason for that. Well, I brought this up and someone who's an analysis guy said to me, well, it's because they were down to 10 and they were down to nine. It actually didn't happen when they were down to nine. It did happen when they were down to 10. He said to me, oh, well, it's easier to press when the opposition have got 10. Nah, nonsense. We... We pressed. Are you saying this happened because of the way we pressed them? Hundred percent. I agree. And so I don't agree that it's no, it's any easier because to press when they've got ten because you still press from the front. So if you have, you're you're going to leave the, the press is going to work in exactly the same way because they, they and also it wasn't a defender that they had sent off. So they still had a back four. four yeah. They still had the goalkeeper. Yeah. They still had two in midfield. Yeah. So they no, had the possibility to play it out yeah. short. And Allison, I've never seen Allison kick the he kicked the ball out of play. I think three times, certainly twice, and that was because of us. So just wanted to top and tail the game with some lovely statistics basically we're good yeah um, but, 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 I, but my friend who's a liverpool fan like wouldn't would you know wouldn't wouldn't countenance the fact that they could have lost that game before before the game mm-hmm. after 20 minutes i texted him and said we're good aren't we i said i don't think we necessarily win this game but we're because he hasn't watched much tottenham and he said i said we're good he goes easy tiger and i'm thinking are you mad look at the way we played in that first 20 minutes some of the passing and the the interplay between madison and Bissouma and sai in the middle of midfield i just thought was it was breathtaking uh, yeah you're right but but again you know going to this back to this point about the press and and, and the aggression that we have in the way that we play I think of uh, the Jota sending off was was purely from being mugged off by being pressed mm. by Udogi. The goal that we <laughs> scored against Sheffield Borch, United and Burnley United has come and from him. Burnley from his press, similar from from, from exactly from mm. him winning the ball. Yeah, yeah. The, high second, up. the winner against Sheffield United was yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the goal against Burnley when he's won it out on the wing mm. and he's given it to Madison, mm. um, who, who's bent <laughs> it in. You know, 
it is about the, the team is pressing from the back right high up the pitch um, and it is relentless and I, and I think those stats from Alisson are something that people perhaps should pay more attention to because it's clear that he didn't have the passing channels perhaps that he's used to and, 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 and he felt under pressure because he couldn't see he couldn't see what, what the ball was you yeah. know so um, the other thing that's encouraging in a way is that my big fear from day one of the, this season is that because of the way he gets our fullbacks to to tuck in is that we're going to be vulnerable out wide and obviously Liverpool with Diaz and Salah they are two of the best and quickest in the business at being able to try and counteract that and for what for while they were down to 11 men or sorry while they were down, had 11 men you mean the ref counted as much right yeah exactly um we managed to we managed to negate Four. that no uh, i don't I, that joke got, got lost three and a half three and a half three and a half <laughs> i just think that we managing to negate that in that opening period was was very positive and going forward we're not going to come up against too many sides who have got that kind of quality but and i remember saying this early on the players we've bought, and it's why Eric Dyer's not on the team, they're recovery players. They're all good players, don't get me wrong. Quick Van de Ven is. Van de Ven quick, Porro quick, Udogi quick, Romero, is, he's quick. There was some of the recovery defending on Saturday when Liverpool broke was incredible. Porro did it. Van de Ven did it in the first half. Bissouma did it on mm. the second half against uh, Salah, who I thought was brilliant, by the way, Salah, but we're not here to talk about them anymore. Look, it's all... It's all going in the right direction. But as we've said, and as the, the opposing fans are waiting to happen, is it all falls apart. And who knows? It could fall apart. Uh, our next opponents, Luton, on Saturday. They actually, nice picture of them getting their first win on Saturday uh, at Everton, which didn't go well uh, in my house with my Everton-supporting uh, wife. But there you go. They've picked up a little bit of form. They play tonight, Tuesday night, against Burnley. But before we talk about Saturday's early kickoff. Let's get the expert opinion of a Luton fan. Delighted to be joined by broadcaster and Luton fan Faker Others. Faye, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I was thinking about former Luton Spurs games in my memory, trying to get a recollection of playing each other. I was thinking about the late 80s, early 90s, but actually my most recent memory of Luton was working on a National League game on New Year's Day 2014 against Barnet. Um, absolute bog of a pitch. The game would have been called off uh, had it not been on the TV. Nine years later, you're in the Premier League. Just give us a sense, if you will, of that journey from the fifth tier into the top tier. I mean, it, it sounds like not a long amount of time, nine years, but it feels a lot longer than that, I can mm. tell you. Um, because, of course, we were down in in the, what is now National League, was Blue Square Premier when we were down there. Uh, for five years, having you know had that ridiculous thirty-point deduction in the first place, and and literally plummeted down the league. So it feels much longer from a Luton fan's perspective to kind of climb up and get back to to you know the, the Premier League. And I remember our CEO Gary Sweet saying when we were in the National League, there is no reason whatsoever Luton Town can't be a Premier League side. And so many people scoffing about it. Wow. But what we've done is, is shows how a properly run football club can operate mm. under a small budget if things are done properly. And I'm so proud of my club for, for doing that. But, you know, we had a great time down in, in the National League, actually. Loved going to those boggy pitches. It was <laughs> There was just like a kind of siege mentality yeah. about it. It was brilliant. And, you know, had some of my most fun Luton experiences uh, down there. 
you know, been brilliant to to get back to where we belong. And, you know, a lot of people will think that we're, it's a shock that we got promoted last season. It wasn't at all if you'd have seen our season before. And bar one season, we've actually just, you know, in, incrementally improved. And um, that's because of what goes on behind behind the scenes. That's really interesting. I'm really pleased you mentioned Gary Sweet and, and, and what happens at a properly run club because my question was going to be... Um, I've seen some some criticism levied at Luton about only 20 million spent in the summer and and were they doing enough to give themselves the best opportunity of staying in the Premier League now you know, I sort of take the view that I kind of respect Luton for not financially crippling themselves and, 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 and bankrupting themselves to take that risk. But from a fan's point of view, you're in the Premier League now. Is it a bit frustrating that that more wasn't spent to try and give yourself? Or do you sort of understand the situation of the club and, 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 and admire and respect the decisions that have been taken? Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of I'm proud of the club for the way they've 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 um, built a team that can be successful in the Premier League, but also be competitive and potentially get us back up if we were to get relegated. I think that's smart business. You know, you've seen the likes of Stoke, other big teams go down, really struggle. Um, We've done things sensibly because this is a long-term project. It's not just, you know, throw everything at being in the Premier League and, you know, win or bust. This is about the longevity of this football club, and that's really vital. And I don't think enough focus goes on that in the pyramid nowadays and the Mm. fact that my club has recognized that there's more important things to do going off the pitch that that needs to be concentrated on that money needs to be directed to and you know I'm not being funny we've got four points on the board already nobody can say and and the other criticism that I've seen leveled at us is you know well I mean some of the things the comments themselves are a joke the Mm. word joke was used within them and I don't even want to give them credence to be honest but Mm. You know, that's somebody that's not watched football, that's yeah. not watched Luton Town, that's not watched 90 minutes over the course of a season, maybe not even watched highlights of us, to be honest. Mm. So I don't really have a lot of respect for those kind of comments. And you can easily, you know, judge as an outsider looking in, but knowing the club from the inside, what they're doing is really sensible. And yeah. I would say the majority of Luton fans, if not all Luton fans, 100% back the board with what they're doing by not splashing cash. Mm. It's not necessary. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it was it was always going to be almost likely to be a, a slow start. <coughs> and Brighton and Chelsea first couple of games doesn't help. But it f- sort of from the outside, maybe feels like with the last couple of games, it maybe getting to grips with things. I'm not going to say has it turned around, but does it feel like suddenly actually maybe there is a, a slight sort of shifting in, in the, the feeling of the way maybe the season could go? I think most Luton fans have been quite optimistic and realistic about the way the season's going to go. We know it's going to be difficult. We know we're going to, you know, struggle and, and not win as many games as we did in the championship. That's a given. It's a very different level of football. Um I think we were naive in the Brighton game, but actually we were in it for 71 minutes. Um, People tend to forget that. And again, in the Chelsea game, that was Raheem Sterling deciding to turn up. Um, (laughs) He was unplayable in that game. But if you look at Chelsea, you know, actually, I wish we'd have, um, you know, that they were there for the taking, really. And actually, we played well in spells of that game. But again, a few mistakes in midfield and, you know, not quite clicking uh, but again, it was an improvement from the um, fr- from the opening game against Brighton. And then since then, you know, we were unlucky not to take anything against West Ham. Should have p- potentially had a penalty 
towards yeah, the end yeah. of the game and got a point out of that against Wolves as well. We were, you know, the, the superior team for sure and frustrating not to get the win. And then against Everton, you know, two brilliant set pieces and there we go, we get the three points. And that kind of momentum is really important. And Rob Edwards has talked a lot about how they've improved game on game. And that's really important. If we'd have seen a dip in levels, that there'd be something to worry about. But we've not. We've seen... The players getting used to the league, getting used to each other because there's been quite a lot of churn. Um, so actually, you know, I think we're in a in a really good place, and I'm looking forward. To, um, I, I'm heading off to Burnley. I know that this is uh, previewing Spurs on on the weekend, but I'm heading off to Burnley tonight, and I'm quite looking forward to seeing what we can do against them. Yeah, and as I said at the top, it's been a while since we faced Luton. I remember a game, I think early '90s. Luton had. Nine men at the end, which is quite apt uh, after the weekend. Spurs had one sent off, I think, uh, and Luton had two sent off. We, we came out I also, I think, two, I don't think that was Guy Butters. I think that was against Wimbledon, maybe, possibly against Wimbledon, but it was certainly late 80s, early 90s. We won 2-1. And as you said, you got the Burnley game to get past tonight, but how do you see the weekend going? I mean, I think what you're doing under Ange Postacoglu is really exciting. You know, I've got a soft spot for Spurs, always have done. I covered them a lot when I worked for Premier League Productions. And, uh, you know, for you guys to have a, a manager in there that you seem to all fully buy into, who's got the kind of personality that wins everybody over, playing a brand of football that's winning people over after, you know, a couple of pretty turgid, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no absolutely it. right. You're <laughs> Dig, go on, say it. Um, <laughs> It's it's going to be a really fascinating matchup, actually, and um, and, and you know you've got some incredible players. I mean, I think James Madison is is just wonderful, and and Hyung Min Son's one of my favourite players in the Premier League. So, you know, you, you you've got brilliant attackers that can do us some real damage. But equally, I think coming to Kenilworth Road, and a lot has been made about our um, home record potentially, and actually our home and away records are pretty even um, in the championship last season. But obviously, Kenilworth Road is going to be a massive um, bonus point for us, and uh, I just don't really see any of the Spurs players struggling with that. You know, I think a lot is made of oh, you know, no one's going to want to go to Luton, <laughs> um, you know, really tight pitch, etc. But you have to do that in cup games, so it's not as if you don't go to exactly, you know yeah. smaller grounds and have to and have to play. But it is going to be much harder than playing at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, for sure. It's, uh, you're only going to have a small pocket of fans of around mm. a, a thousand or so. So th that's going to be difficult. You will get drowned out completely. And huh. that's going to hopefully push us over the line. But I think it's going to be a really tough competitive game. I hope so, anyway. Uh, Fair, I can't uh, not let this moment pass without talking about the Spurs uh, women's team. I watched the game on uh, Sunday against Chelsea and, and they were excellent. Um, and it seems, I know it's only a game in, but actually... That's going to change too. The way the ladies are going to play too is going to change. Um, how do you see their season panning out? I know it's only been a game. Yeah, I think they're playing a di totally different style of football. You know, they had backs against the wall at the end of last season. It was all about survival. So they couldn't really do anything. But they're certainly playing much more on the front foot. Um, and, and, you know, you saw the implementation. They 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 pushed Chelsea all, mm. all the way um, at, at Stamford Bridge in, in a, you know, not a hostile atmosphere, but you know, any Tottenham side going to Stamford Bridge is not yeah. fun, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but 
I, I, th I think that they're going to be fine this season. It's a, it's a really different style of football than they used to. You know, they had to defend so deeply last season in order to, to secure their WSL status. I think this is going to be a more attacking Tottenham side that we see. And, you know, there's some, some brilliant stars to unleash. I just hope that Bethany England, for your sake, isn't out yeah. for, mm. for too long after her hip surgery yeah. and, and can come back soon. But yeah, I, I think you're going to have a decent season. Hope so. Okay, and just quickly back to Saturday. Quick prediction, please. Oh gosh! <laughs> I mean, I never, I, I never go against my team, yeah. so I'm going to say a two-one win to Luton. Oh, good luck! I think luck. we're going to grab it at the good death. Luck. We've got to lose at some point. We've got to lose <laughs> at some point, and it, and it could be yeah. Saturday. Uh, Faye, thanks so much for joining us, talking to us about Spurs and and Luton as well. Uh, really great to talk to you. Cheers, Faye. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Faye. Great to talk to Faye, who is positive about what's happening, and they've had, they've had a right old journey, haven't they? Um, 10 years ago, arguably our journey was starting 10 years ago with Pochettino, but very different. It's a real, every game we go into, obviously the pessimistic Spurs fan stays with me. I'm like, oh God, is it all going to fall apart against Luton? If it falls apart against Luton, they're all going to laugh at us again. Jake, is it going to fall apart against Luton? Well, it's funny because as soon as I think of Luton last week, after the Liverpool game, my mind immediately turned to Luton and I'm thinking... Oh, Luton away, early kickoff, small pitch. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a tough one. Faye said that won't matter. Yeah, but I, I just think that if you look at, look, you know, I said it's not gonna happen again. But you look at the sort of nine men situation we had. You look at the Sheffield United game. You know what Luton are gonna try and do. They're very good mm -hmm. at set pieces. Yeah, but they are, they, they. I don't think it's unfair of me to say they would be happy with a nil nil in this game. Well, any draw. Yeah, but they're gonna obviously. They, if we go a goal up, then it becomes a problem for them. If they if they score if they score early or if they can keep it tight for the first half 50, 60 minutes, I think it's going to be tricky for us because mm. that is maybe the one area. I mean, listen, every team's going to struggle when you've got a low block in a, on a tight pitch. It doesn't matter how creative you are. It doesn't matter Madison, Son, Bissouma, these guys. If they make it tight in the centre of the pitch, which they will, and they will probably play with back four, maybe put five at the back. I think it's going to be difficult, but I'm not going to go into this game. I'm not going to go into this game thinking that, thinking anything negative. I well, still I'll, think we'll win. I think it could be difficult. I'll get your prediction in a minute. Gary's it all going to fall apart on Saturday? It's not, is it? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just prodding. I don't think so. I agree. I agree very much with, with what Jake's saying. I think I, I would be more concerned going to Kenilworth Road than I was going to Turf Moor, mm. um, because Luton will sit in. And where we have struggled is against nine men Liverpool sitting in, against Sheffield United sitting in. And it is always going to be hard. And, uh, you know, we need to find, I think, the next evolution of the, of the Spurs team or, or something that we could improve immediately. If I could choose one thing, it would be how to break down a lower block yeah. a bit better. I'm um, sure Andy's thinking that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure he I is. I'm sure it. he is. And, and I, I agree with Jake. You know, if they, they've got Morris up front, he's a real handful. He's a real handful. You shouldn't underestimate that, that they've got good, good players. And, you know, the worst thing we could do would be to go into this, this game and, and, and underestimate any of it. Um, if we were to go a goal down, I agree, it would become a really tense, difficult match. The best thing we could do is go there. And I, I mentioned earlier, we started slowly in a lot of games so the first 20 minutes that Liverpool slightly showed it didn't bother me too much because I thought we'd grow into it I don't think we can afford to do that against Luton we did it against Burnley you know we went a goal down yeah. we really can't afford to do it against a, a, a team like Luton um, and I think we need to go there we need to get out the blocks quick get an early goal 
And if we were to get that early goal, I, I think we, uh, we could go on and win yeah, very, very comfortably. I've seen some people refer to them, even though they were in the Premier League, as a championship side. Well, being away to a championship side has done us absolutely no favours in recent years. Yeah, it's funny. You know, Faye was talking about, um, uh, you know, it shouldn't bother Spurs to come to a, a smaller ground and, and a very intimate packed ground and a smaller pitch. And I was thinking, I, 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 was, I was tempted to interrupt her and say, hmm. Well, actually, United, when, we've, when we've gone to clubs like that in Colchester. the past, we've really fallen flat on our yeah. ass. So, yeah. you know. yeah. The only thing, we, we, we've scored two goals minimum in every game this season. Yeah. I don't see that Stop coming it. to an end this, yeah. this, in this game. Luton have conceded in every game so far this season. I don't see that coming to an end this no, season. No, on every metric, we, sh- we should beat them. But, yeah. I, but it's just not a game. You know, you can't take any Premier League game, particularly one away from home, and, and, and say categorical. But, on every metric, we should beat them. There is a possibility that we balls it up. I don't see it. Before I get your predictions, I did a rare thing last week. Do you know what that was? <laughs> <laughs> no. You don't want the answer. <laughs> I, don't, I do not want to... In the confine, show, on the confines of this studio with you two people sat in it, I did a rare thing last week. Do you know what it was? I predicted a Spurs win and I have the proof. Watch the screen. I'm, I'm gonna, I think we're going to beat them 2-1. Oof. There's a real feel-good factor, and we've had two home games. The fans have been buzzing to get back in the ground. The atmosphere is going to be really, really good. No, I predicted the atmosphere was going to be really, really good, and it was. And I predicted a two-one win. Hark at you! I know. Well, nice to see you changed. I know, so. mate. So one all. <laughs> <laughs> Gobbin them prediction for for Saturday, Gary. I am going to go with four-one Tottenham. Three-one Tottenham. Two-nil Tottenham. Clean sheet, clean sheet alert. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it's about time. So, sorry, Faye. That would take us into yeah, that would take us into into the international break. You always want to go into the international break on on the back of a win, don't you? By the way, a lot of the teams around us play each other this weekend, so it's a huge opportunity. We do have a bit of a, a history of when you, we could go not top, taking not, advantage. I remember a game against Bolton. I think in the nineties, Naeem was there. We were beating Bolton. They put Naeem on the screen, and the big old jumbotron, and we're all singing Naeem from the halfway line. And then Bolton equalised, and we didn't go top. <laughs> so these memories stick with you. The Tottenham will never leave you. <laughs> okay, so good. Three points on Saturday on the back of uh, three points last Saturday. Let's hope, gentlemen. Thank you as always uh, for your jokes. And <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm here for. That's what I do. And your insights. Got any more for us? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I'm done. Run um, the world dry here. Uh, gentlemen uh, we will see you next week and up the Spurs (laughs) 